This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, January 27th, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. At public schools across the United States, fights over curriculum, the influence of religion, secular and otherwise, are all too common. But finding solutions means recognizing the problem. Neil McCluskey, Associate Director of the Cato Institute Center for Educational Freedom, unveils a new map that tracks these local conflicts. In 2007, you wrote a policy analysis called Why We Fight, and it uh, detailed how and many examples of fighting that occurs because public schools are by necessity in many ways very homogenized uh, curriculum, homogenized uh, preferences, and that often makes nobody happy. So you've launched a map. What does that map tell us? Right. So the the basic idea – is that you know I've heard for a long time as I as I talk about school choice and I talk about education, people say, well, we have to have public schools, we have to have government schools um, that everybody has to pay for because if we didn't do that, we'd have all these diverse people, different religions, different linguistic groups, different you know, whatever you can think of, would all be in their own little pockets and we'd all be balkanized. The presumption then from that is not only would they be separate, but for some reason that they would also be fighting like we saw in the Balkans, particularly in the you know, 1990s. Uh, and I think that this has it exactly backwards. I think that logically, if you take diverse people and you force them all to support the same system of schools, it's not that they get together and they say, you know what, we have all these very basic differences, different morals, different histories, and we're just going to we're just all going to get together and I'll throw out the things I think are important and you throw out the things you think are important and we'll all just get along. What we see is that people say, no, my values are important. My history is important and that's what I want taught. And so what we see is lots of conflict. Um, and so what I've done in that report and I'm now trying to do in a more dynamic, more accessible way is have a map that takes all these battles that I've found, usually just through media searches – it's over free speech. It can be over the curriculum. It's uh, over religion. You know, can you have a, somebody say a prayer as the valedictorian? All sorts of battles all over the place. And people can now look at these things. One, I hope that gives them a visceral sense that these sorts of conflicts are everywhere and they're happening all the time. Um, and I'd also like people, especially reporters or people who are in districts with conflicts, to be able to see where there have been similar conflicts. Maybe they can learn from that to help resolve what they are going through. But also to understand that it's not typically – the root problem isn't, you know, one person likes Harry Potter in the library and someone else doesn't. And I'm either for the guy who likes Harry Potter or I'm against the guy who likes Harry Potter. What's really happening is good people who have very reasonable reasons to either like having Harry Potter or not. Maybe they have moral objections. Maybe they think it's good literature. Maybe they think it's bad literature. But reasonable people are forced to fight over what the schools do. And, of course, it's because they all have to pay for it. So, you know, we hear, you know, if we're talking about Harry Potter, oh, it's book banning to remove it from the schools. And absolutely, you don't want government, and that's what a public school is, deciding, oh, we're going to remove a book because we don't think it's good enough. But there's also a flip side. Somebody from government decided to buy that book to begin with. They've made taxpayers who might not like it pay for it. So the people who don't like it have equal valid reasons to say, I don't want it. So now we have this, this conflict that can't be resolved in a government school system. You have either have government censoring or you have them compelling support of speech, both of which are violations of basic rights. And then you add on top of that the fact that 
school attendance is compulsory. Yeah, that certainly doesn't help that, that you have to go to school. Now, the argument usually offered is, well, if you don't like it, go to a private school. Uh, and I'm, I'm for that option. The problem is you have to sacrifice all the money you had no choice but to pay to the public schools and say, I'm going to pay twice for education. And that means not only have you chosen a private school, but you still have absolute right to complain about what the public school district is doing. So that doesn't resolve the problem that you've compelled somebody, for instance, to pay for readings that they might vehemently disagree with. What are people likely to find when they dig through this? Uh, I notice the Western states, obviously less densely populated than the Eastern states, have fewer conflicts, and that's probably a function of population and not of uh, people in Western states getting along more. Yeah, there's uh, one of the first reactions I got from the map was saying, well, the first thing I see is it's more peaceful in the West. And you're absolutely right. It's more peaceful because if you just look at the map, there are lots of areas where you just don't have many people there at all. So all the national parks and things like that, you're not going to find a lot of conflicts there because there's no, there are no people there. Um, once you get past that, though, you start to see how truly widespread these conflicts are. If you go to any population center, you see it's, it's packed in these multicolored uh, uh, pins that we have in there that, that show you where the battles are. And then even more interesting is that first impression, if you dig down to a lot of these places, you start to find more pins because a lot of them are kind of buried under each other because where there are population centers, there's lots of conflict. It's also important to note, though, that... For a long time, one way that we minimized the amount of conflict among diverse people was we had small school districts, and those school districts tended to reflect homogeneous populations. For a long time, people, you know, all German speakers lived together, and the Catholics lived together, and, and all sorts of different groups. We've moved farther and farther away from small school districts, first by consolidating districts, and then a lot more decisions made at the state level and even the national level. On this map, what you'll see is lots of these pins are in the state capitol you know, or around the state capitol building, and it's because you have these statewide battles. So even just the number of battles can be deceptive when you realize that many of these encompass people throughout a state. So when Kansas debates evolution or lots of states debate evolution, everybody in that state is embroiled in that controversy. And people who have basic religious rights, people who have you know, belief and in, in want to have a scientific process followed, people who are in the middle of all these different debates, they're all forced to try and get their view of what's right, the thing that's taught in the schools. I find the, the argument uh, rather strange to suggest that we would fight if we were not compelled to associate with one another in, in public schools. I just find that to be a non-starter. I can remember being in high school and in college, uh, the controversy was whether or not we post the Ten Commandments. And if we post the Ten Commandments in schools, then what else do we have to post? And these things have been going on for a very long time. But beyond religious conflict or cultural conflict, what else is there? Yeah, I don't think that the idea that balkanization necessarily leads to conflict makes a lot of sense, but that often seems to be the implication because people then think of the Balkans in the 1990s, which was often, you know, more people trying to say, I want what, what you have, or these lands are ours. So they were trying to force people actually together. Um, I think uh, uh, once people think through it, their bigger concern will often be, well, but won't we all just be separate? We'll all be atomized and nobody will 
interact with each other. But there's good news in that regard. One, in education, there's not a lot of research into this, but beginning research shows that private schools probably are better at integrating people than, than public schools. And if you, you can think why this might be. So obviously in America we think about racial divisions, although for a long time our biggest divisions, at least that we thought about, were religious. In part, that's because government forced segregation. And let's be clear, when we talk about private schooling, we're not talking about forcing segregation. We're talking about letting people choose. So what this research shows is that these private schools often have better integration of students by race. And they looked at things like where you, who you sit with in the lunchroom, where it's not compelled, than public schools. And the reason seems to be that when you choose a school because you all want, say, a Baptist school, those norms overcome the racial divide you have. You have something more powerful bonding you than you had dividing you. And so that's the first thing is there is a force that seems to work better in private schools to bring people uh, together. That's crucial. And then the other thing is historically we see immigrant groups in particular who start off usually in the first generation. They're often, especially when they first arrive in the United States, were in their own small communities. And that actually made sense because you can't very easily just jump into a totally foreign culture, a totally foreign society. You need something to, that is familiar to transition to that new society. But what we saw was those people, and especially as you get into the next generation, to advance themselves, realize they're much better off if they can speak with the people who are not in their community, if they can uh, do business with the people who are not in their community. In other words, their own kind of self-interest ultimately leads people to, to willingly and happily freely integrate, but does it without the, the conflict that forcing integration causes. Neil McCluskey is Associate Director of the Cato Institute Center for Educational Freedom. You can look at the school battle map at Cato.org.